Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Pramack. On today's show, an entire country plans to ban iPhones, and the latest in Elon Musk's, kind of, sorta, quest to acquire Tesla. But first, using technology to make healthcare cheaper, or at least to make it work a bit better. Yesterday in Washington, there was something called the Blue Button Conference, which was organized by federal healthcare regulators and attended by representatives of big tech companies like Amazon and Google. The idea was to figure out how the public and private sectors can work together on improving what's known as healthcare interoperability. So in layman's terms, this basically means letting you share your full medical record with different providers. It sounds pretty simple and obvious, but as you know, if you've ever tried to do it, it just doesn't happen very much. Some of the challenge is kind of ancient technology that's barely better than paper files, really old spreadsheets. And some of it is the tech companies and some healthcare providers feel it's better for business to not share data because they view the data as extremely valuable. And then on top of that are all the privacy rules and regulations. The bottom line here is that tech companies keep moving into healthcare, both software companies and hardware companies. But a lot of what they're doing is treating symptoms rather than the underlying system disease. And it may take government to push everyone in the right direction because profits and patients don't always have the same goal in mind. So let's go deeper on this with Seema Verma, administrator for the Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services, which organized the Blue Button Conference yesterday and Seema was the keynote speaker. We're joined by Seema Verma, administrator for the Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services, who which organized and she keynoted the Blue Button Conference yesterday. So Seema, it seems like a lot of the talk and discussion yesterday was about what they call interoperability or the ability of hospitals and doctors to share medical records with each other. Why is this still an issue today in 2018 when it seems we've been discussing it for a decade or more? What the Blue Button Conference is about, what everyone's discussing is really something that we did with the American Office of Innovation and CMS, and it was a joint effort, and we call it My Healthy Data. And what this is about is about giving patients control over their data and their medical records. So as you know, you go to the doctor's office today, and you have a visit. All of the information that goes on in that visit stays with the doctor. It stays in their medical office, right? And as you go to different doctors, different pieces of your data are in a variety of different places. What this initiative is about is saying we want patients to have control over their information and their data. So when they leave the office, they have all of that information. And kind of moving to a world where essentially you're creating a healthcare record for the individual that maybe starts the time of their birth and aggregates every single visit that they've potentially had. You can even combine that information with the claims data from their insurance company. You could even combine that with data from wearable technology. And so you're building this very comprehensive picture of that person's health. And then I think the idea from there is putting it in a format. So having that data is one thing, but we want to make sure that patients can understand it and even providers can understand it. And that's where talking about artificial intelligence and putting the data in a format that app developers and other folks involved in innovation can take that data and make it more meaningful. The reason we don't have that right now, what you just described, is that primarily a technology challenge? In other words, we just haven't gotten the tech right yet or worked on getting the tech right yet? Or is it a business problem? Because so many companies which do collect this information and providers kind of view their own data as gold and don't necessarily like sharing, particularly with other for-profit companies. I think it's more of that. But what we know is that interoperability is possible and it is already going on in healthcare systems. 
but unfortunately, providers are not sharing that data with their patients, and for a variety of different reasons, maybe it is to protect what they think is proprietary information. We think the information belongs to the patient. Patients should have control over their information and data. And so, some of the things that we've done with CMS is to make sure that hospitals, if they're not going to give their data to their patients, they're going to be penalized. When you say penalized, penalized how? And I, I guess as a corollary to that, should a provider's participation in Medicare, which you oversee, should that be tied to being interoperable with other providers? Well, those are some of the things that we're talking about. As we've started the My Healthy Data Initiative, we're starting to have those conversations. We're saying we do have penalties within the Medicare program already for hospitals. So we're saying if you're not interoperable and you're not giving the data to the patient, you're subject to penalties. And the same thing with providers. I will tell you a story that I think sort of sums up this issue. And I tell it to many people because I think it really is a great depiction of the experience that the American patient is having. So last year, I was traveling with my family. I was heading back to D.C. They were heading back to Indiana, and they had a stop in Philadelphia. And I got that call that we all dread. It was my daughter saying, Mom, Dad's collapsed. He's passed out, and the paramedics want to talk to you. And I got on the phone with the paramedic, and the paramedic said, Your husband's not breathing. He's in cardiac arrest. What information do you have? Is there something in his health care history? And I didn't have it. You know, at that point, I'm panicking. We didn't know what was going on. They took him to the hospital, and I spent the next few hours calling his different doctors, trying to get a hold of them. It's a Sunday night, trying to figure out what information could have led to this event. Eventually, we spent a week in the hospital. He's fine now, but when I left the hospital, because we were in Philadelphia and we're going back to Indiana, I said, can you give me all of his information? I need to have the records. I want the results of all the tests. And when I left, they gave me five sheets of paper, which was essentially a discharge summary, and then they gave me a CD-ROM. And that CD-ROM only had the results of one of the procedures. So all of the information that was being collected by the machines, all of the monitoring, all of the test results, I had none of that data. And in this day and age, after the federal government has spent over $30 billion on electronic health records, we're still giving patients CD-ROMs. And I don't know about your computer, but mine doesn't even take a CD-ROM. Mine doesn't. Can I ask just a follow-up on that? So with Blue Button, which is designed in part to help fix that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, there's still certain things that aren't in it. So, for example, you don't actually have lab results in there, correct? Correct. So what Blue Button is, is our effort to unleash data. And the data that we have is the claims information, right? So it's when we're paying providers, we have some information about what service, we potentially know what medications the individual is on. So what we're saying is any data that we have, we want to make sure that that's available to the patient. So for the first time, we put it in this API format so that app developers can take that information. It's not just a bunch of gobbledygook data, but they can take that data and make sense of it, organize it in a way that's meaningful. That's just the claims data. We're also telling providers, you need to give the actual medical record data to the patient. And just imagine in a world where now you're building in the claims data, what happened in the doctor's office, the wearable technology. When we have that, we start the beginning of this digital health revolution. Those patients can give their data to researchers, for example. We're going to advance treatment and cures and innovation 
education and healthcare at a much more accelerated rate, we have all of that data available. If we look at evidence-based treatment guidelines, right? We're not just paying for healthcare services unnecessarily. We can start developing more personalized treatment for individuals. So we're not paying for things that don't make sense anymore. Kind of quasi-political question here, which is you guys had a bunch of big Silicon Valley or big technology companies in the room yesterday, and, and one of them was Amazon. And does it make your job harder when your boss is publicly attacking a company that you're trying to work with? I think that we're focused on making sure that patients have control over their data. And I think it's exciting that the technology companies are supporting this effort. I think that they recognize the potential for advancement and delivering better, efficient care in the healthcare delivery system and lowering healthcare costs. Was that a yes or a no? Like I said, we're focused on the My Healthy Data initiative, which is about giving patients their data. And I think it's exciting that these technology companies are working with us. They're following our lead about putting the data in an API format. And this is something that has come from the White House. I mean, the American Office of Innovation has been very supportive and they've been leading this effort. I really want to thank Seema Verma, Administrator for the Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services, for joining us. Seema, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Turkey, which is in the midst of a major currency crisis right now. And the country's president isn't in the mood to take any blame for the situation or, say, allow the country's central bank to be fully independent. So instead, he's blaming the U.S. And today said the country would boycott U.S. electronics. Now, this has already been met with some concern by Turkish citizens, including a shopkeeper interviewed by Reuters who said, quote, I have a 16-year-old daughter. See if you can take her iPhone away. And finally, the latest in the increasingly bizarre saga at Tesla. Elon Musk last night tweeted that he now has lawyers and financial advisors to help him buy his company. But once again, his tweet didn't show much discipline. One of the, quote, financial advisors he listed was Silverlake, a tech-focused private equity firm that once helped Michael Dell take his company private. The only trouble is Silverlake isn't actually acting as a financial advisor here, because that's a legal term. Instead, it's simply helping Musk talk through a possible bid and might consider investing in the future, but it's not being paid for its efforts. Oh, and then there's a New York Times report that Tesla's board didn't even know Musk was gonna tweet last week about wanting to buy the company. So the bottom line here is that anyone who ultimately invests alongside Musk is buying more than just a groundbreaking electric car maker. It seems to be buying some systemic dysfunction. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, whether on Apple, Radio.com, or other podcast platforms. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers. Be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great National Power Rangers Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another pro rata podcast.